0: Hello and welcome to Scran, a podcast passionate about Scottish food and drink. This week I'm in the studio and I'm joined by Gabby Suter, the Scotsman restaurant critic. Hello Gabby. Hello there. So later on in this episode I'm going to be going up to the Glen Eagles Hotel in Perthshire. So
1: I'm just wondering, have you eaten there and what did you think? Well I have. I've eaten there a few times but I've never been to restaurant Andrew Fairley, which I feel really bad about. <laughs> But you know, maybe I'll make it one day. I've eaten in their other restaurants, the Strathern and the other steak place, which opened a little while ago, which I've forgotten the name of. Is that the? Is it the Bonham? No, no. Try again. <laughs> uh, oh Completely my God. forgotten. It's lovely inside anyway. It's the French-looking place, yeah. Yes, yes. I know where It's like kind of a more relaxed vibe for Glen Eagles, um, but yes, it's quite nice all their food things but their breakfast is the best thing
0: i've also never eaten andrew Fairley, so i'm glad i'm not the only one because i thought everybody had at some point so
1: no it's it's always it was always really booked up but uh you know maybe i'll make it there one day
0: so uh, speaking of uh fine dining how do you think that scene has changed in edinburgh and scotland overall in the last few years of you doing your job
1: um i think it's changed quite a lot i used to do quite a few reviews where there'd be like long tasting menus and you know, white linen on the tables but I think it's changed, to it's, it's more casual now, lots of sharing plates and, and small plates I suppose, which I'm quite relieved about because I never really liked the tasting menus anyway <laughs> it's always a bit of a marathon an endurance test to do like eight courses and be stared at by, by the waitress and uh, you know, it's, I, I quite like the more casual style and most of the fine dining places I think are in hotels these days it's like Glen Eagles or you know uh, the Balmoral or the Caledonian that's kind of where they exist and you don't see a lot of new fine da- dining places opening up and um, it's a whole it's a more casual style uh, so you know there's the ones that have been around for years and years like the Peaton, and uh but there aren't loads of new ones, new versions popping up. I think people tend to go for a more casual style now. So that's good with me. <laughs> yeah. And of course, the uh, the Pompiter and the Caledonia Hotel shut down recently. Yeah, I know. I was really sad about that. And that that might be part of it. I mean, I guess Mark Greenaway is downstairs and uh, his last place, Bistro Modern, was kind of smarter than what he's doing now and he's also moved into a more casual kind of style and maybe that's why they closed down which was really sad because it was such a great place and you know it's still nice to have kind of the traditional fine dining establishment for for a special treat but yeah I think the crowds are going to the more casual places like you know the lookout or they want more of an experience tied in to their meal without too much formality or or stress.
0: Which is why I suppose something like Six by Nico's done quite well because that is all about the... It's very Instagram-friendly, it's uh, an experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, if somebody can, you know, package it up into an experience and you get to tell your friends about it and... Um, and it's quite relaxed although i guess that they do a tasting menu there but it's very you know very relaxed and served quite quickly so it's not like you're going to be in the restaurant for 4 hours like you might do with a traditional fine dining uh, restaurant you have to just kind of take a sleeping bag and <laughs> 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 move in yeah and get home at 11 o'clock and you know it's it's a bit more casual
0: and do you think because of that that um fine
1: dining or dining in general dining out has become more accessible to younger people uh, yeah i i find it hard to tell because you know i i'm not sure I, i've always sort of seen people younger eating out but i guess there's more than but it's hard to tell if it's just because i'm older and they look younger <laughs> 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 or or if they actually are getting younger but I th- i think so and i think like yeah, there's value. T- I think people like collect new restaurants as well and if there's a buzz about somewhere... Yeah, so people will go to a restaurant and then they want to tell their friends about it and say that they've been as well.
0: Then I suppose uh, fine dining does work in somewhere like Glen Eagle's purely because the setting, like you're yeah. you're going there for... An experience which is kind of higher end, which is why, I mean, I guess.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people will be there for anniversaries or birthdays. You know, it's part of the package to stay over and go and have amazing food, somewhere really, really plush. Um, you know, but they, I guess they've had to change things as well because some of their their newer eating place is a bit more casual than the last one. So um, I think it's just people want to be able to just order anything and do brunch and that's a lot more popular now as well and it's just an easier way of eating out. I guess people are more time starved as well That you don't really want to commit to a really long long meal, you just want to like be able to pop in and have what you want and, and leave. I'm
0: going to find out the name of that restaurant, hold on, because it's going to bug me the other one in Glen Eagle's is it, uh, I feel like it does begin with B. Burnham. Burnham.
1: Yeah. Right, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was in there somewhere. <laughs> the Burnham Brasserie. That's it. That's it. I gave it quite a bad review when I went, so I won't say anything bad. <laughs> so, um, I so I'm off to
0: speak to Simon Attridge, who is the executive chef for um, the Strathairn, the and sorry, and the as we now know Burnham Restaurant, yes, uh, Bistro, and. I didn't realise, actually, you covered both of them, so it's obviously quite a full-on job, and you've been up there and enjoyed the breakfast at the Strathairn. Um yes. Is that something that you would recommend?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been a little while since I was last in Glen Eagles, but it's the best breakfast I've ever had. Wow. And... Well, maybe just because of the volume of it. Um, <laughs> and you've got to kind of do the three-course breakfast. You've got to go and have smoked salmon. And then you you can have some burker muesli and some fruit. And then you've got to do the pastries. So that's just the law there that you have to have a three-course breakfast. It's the best. I'd like to know, you can ask him if the staff get to finish all the remains of the breakfast
0: that would be good to know because yeah there must (laughs) be a lot of leftovers
1: (laughs) yeah I like I think I always imagine that the staff at Glen Eagles would eat pretty well behind the scenes but maybe I'm wrong maybe they scrape it into the bin who knows I hope not
0: No, I think they probably eat it especially it looks so good so hopefully
1: yeah very good
0: okay well thanks for coming in today Cami thank you for having me As I said, I'm here today at the fabulous Glen Eagles Hotel with Simon Atchidge. Hi, Simon.
2: Hi, Roslyn. How are
0: you? I'm fine. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for your time today, because I know you'll be very busy. The hotel looks like it's quite full. So if we just get started off, obviously, as I've said, you're the executive chef here at Glen Eagles, but how did you get started in the hospitality industry?
2: I started in the hospitality from a very young age. My dad, he was the managing director of a couple of hotels. Um, From a very young age, I was around the hotel and I actually learnt to walk by pulling myself up on the beer pumps. Um, So it was always in in my blood, I guess, and um, as a young lad, I used to work part-time as a waiter. And then it went on from there to a, a love for cooking. I ended up working at the local golf club as well and a, quite, a, quite a good chef. He had three rosettes um, a, as a head chef, started working there and doing a la carte nights. Um, and then that really got my appetite for fine dining. And then it really went from there.
0: And how long have you been at Glen Eagles?
2: I've been at Glen Eagles for two and a half years now. So August 2017 was when I started.
0: And have you always kind of overseen the all the dining outlets apart from Andrew Fairley?
2: Um, yeah, at Glen Eagles, um, I've, I've oversee everything, all the food offer, like you say, apart from Andrew Fairley's. In my younger career, I was more of a restaurant chef, um, which is where I started out. And then I wanted to diversify and got into the events, the private dining and all the things that come to be, you know, to fulfil my ambition of being the executive chef of a five-star hotel.
0: And um, are you, you're not from Scotland, no?
2: No, I'm from um, Reigate. Um, it's in Surrey, just outside London. So um, just down the road
0: so yeah <laughs> but this must be a bit different do you find it's a different kind of vibe in this sort of because it's although it's near edinburgh and glasgow it's kind of like the countryside isn't it
2: yeah it is it's a very different lifestyle to live in just outside london i worked in london for a long time and a couple of other places around the world but um the opportunity came up at Glen Eagles. Um, it's an iconic hotel so i couldn't obviously couldn't say no and I, I came up and had a look at it and fell in love with the place and, and it went from there and it was it was uh, and here i am two and a half years later
0: and do you find like this kind of setting with the sort of local produce and I assume like game and things you can get from the Highlands, do you find that that sort of helps influence when you're designing the menu and cooking?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Our, all of our menus where we can, seasonal, local produce. Um, obviously being in Scotland, we have an amazing larder all around us and, and that's what we base our menus on. We base them on that and also obviously the customer. What they want to eat because Glen Eagles is such a obviously a large establishment. We have so many different offers. Every restaurant has its own um, identity, which which we try to keep. So we have the fine dining in the Strathern, we have the French brasserie in the Burnham, we have the, the golf club, which is more tandoor pizza ovens and, and golf club classics. So a really really good mix of um, food, but based on obviously loca- locality, seasonality, um, and then with the flavours that we need to add to that.
0: And you say you also focus on what customers want. Do you have you found over the years that things have changed quite drastically in terms of dietary requirements and things like veganism and and is that do you find that it's sort of it's become easier to cater to or
2: um, I think people, are, yes, definitely more, definitely more aware of all the different dietaries and, and things like veganism. We, we do have, you know, we have such a wide customer base. So obviously, we, we want to meet and we do meet all of all the dietary requirements that come our way. And um, you'll see it more and more, obviously, in the public domain as well. Um, and people are more aware of what they're eating, where it's from, sustainability. So, um, so we, we, we keep up to date with all of, all of those things.
0: Going uh, back a bit before you came here, you received a Michelin star at the age of 25, is that right?
2: Yes, that's correct,
0: yeah. Uh, and what did that feel like and do you find that awards like that put, on, put chefs under a lot of pressure? Because a few years ago, remember, there was a chef who wanted to kind of give his back because it was a bit too much. So what what were your feelings towards that and how do you feel about it now?
2: Yeah, I mean, at that time in my life, um, I, I was working in a, in a small sort of 35 cover restaurant. Um, and, and the want was um, by the owners and myself to achieve a Michelin star, which I, I was lucky enough and um, fortunate enough to do at such a young age, which was obviously a lot of hard work over the year, a lot of, a lot of pressure on yourself to, firstly, to, to, to get the Michelin star, but then obviously after that, there's also a huge pressure, a huge pressure to keep it. I think award, awards are great, um, but I also think uh, they can be very subjective. Ultimately, as a chef, um, you have to be happy with what you're cooking, what you're producing, and I think you'd, you'd much rather have, or I, I personally would, and, and we would at Glen Eagle have happy customers and a successful business than an and awards in itself. The awards often come as a byproduct of having a successful business and happy customers, but I think that's the most important thing.
0: You've travelled quite a lot with your work, but what is the most exotic place that um, your job's taken you?
2: Is is that after Scotland?
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've been um, fortunate enough. You know, it's a great career if you you get into hospitality, um, both from a front of house and and as a chef, and it opens up lots of opportunities. So shortly after I won the Michelin Star, which definitely opened a lot of doors, I went to Shanghai in China um, and I worked for the Shangri-La Hotel. Um, I opened a new restaurant there called Jade on 36th with a a very well-known French chef who now has three Michelin stars called Paul Perret. Um, I was working for him at the Shangri-La and then I also worked for Shangri-La again for a second time in my career. I was opening the Shard in London, which got got delayed by a few months so I um, had the opportunity to go and work in Abu Dhabi at the property out there so um, I've worked in um, a couple of places abroad which have been very nice and and like I say now I'm in um, Scotland.
0: Which is obviously really exotic and <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually I've been to the Shangri-La up the shard up the shard and um, Abu Dhabi because I used to live in Dubai so okay. yeah they're lovely really nice restaurants and yeah. really really nice, nice hotels as well.
2: No, the Shangri-La, are lovely, lovely group of hotels. I've got them, obviously, um, the majority of them are in Asia, but now they've sort of diversified a bit and there's a little bit in Europe and, and other places around the world. But yeah, they're a very, very nice group and um, a good people to work for.
0: So apart from all the travelling, what might surprise people about your job?
2: Um, I guess from here, people obviously is a, is a big place at Glen Eagles, but we've got about 100 chefs around the resort, which is obviously quite a, a, lot, of, a lot of people to look after. And then on top of that, have about 40 stewards back of house. And I guess really the diversity of what a modern day chef is, it's not just cooking and food, it's the management side of things, meetings, organisation, guest interaction, training, strategy, and the planning and the detail in everything that we do.
0: So it's a lot of cooking, but also a lot of just admin and things.
2: Yeah, no, there is an admin side and an office side to it. I I still love cooking, um, even, even though obviously my role as the executive chef, a lot of that is behind the scenes and, and the planning and the organisation, but you still find me in the kitchen um, an awful lot of the time.
0: And um, What's been uh, your career highlights so far? Apart from moving to Scotland, obviously. <laughs>
2: <laughs> career highlights, um, I, I guess I've had, had a couple. It'd be very hard just to, to, to pull out one. I've been cooking for about 20 years now. Michelin star at 25 was most definitely one of them. I've been involved in quite a few high-profile openings in Shanghai, London, the Shard. Um, I also worked in the private banking world for, um, for a period of time with um, Barclays, moving on to Goldman Sachs, which was a new opening, then an opening in um, UBS, the Bank of Switzerland's new 10,000 uh, capacity building just behind Liverpool Street. So again, that was a very exciting project. And you know, obviously we have to talk about Glen Eagles here, but no, the opportunities we have here, as a a business and an estate is just you know it's fantastic and the fact that we look after all the all the food across the whole business apart from andrew Fairley's and it's a a big team effort here so it's definitely one of the highlights and um i was fortunate enough last year to win a katie um for hotel chef of the year so again that would be up there
0: Nice congratulations thank you (laughs) <laughs> uh, so the just go back the Strathern which is the um, fine dining outlet has been described as an experience from a bygone era and personally I think when you walk in there it's almost like you're on some not, like the Titanic sounds wrong but you know what I mean it's <laughs> got like that kind of like 1920s you could be on like a really grand boat it's really lovely but if for anyone that's not been here before, what can diners expect when eating there?
2: I think I think like you say, it's um, and I think it's how the how the whole hotel since um since Ennismore bought the business four and a half years ago, the whole hotel has been now fully refurbished. But in was keeping still the original the feel of the business. So yeah, I think you know the, it was originally called the dining room. Um, there's nearly a hundred years of heritage and, and history in that room. And although we had a big a big refurbishment in um, the beginning of last year, beginning of 2019, we um, I think all of that that feel and and um, and look in the in the in the restaurant has been kept. So um, what people can expect there. Yeah, the glamour is a dining experience as well as just food it's you know it's about the whole surroundings and obviously the service great seasonal Scottish produce with with great service um, interaction in a beautiful room um, and you know full of hospitality experiences
0: and you mentioned the service which is described as and correct me if I'm wrong Okay, ca- <laughs> Ger- Garadon? Garidon,
2: yeah Garridon. that's correct <laughs> that's
0: very good <laughs> You can tell I didn't take French. Um, so, what what is that for anyone that uh, doesn't know?
2: Yep. So, in simple terms, garrodon services is, is basically preparing food directly in front of the guest, which is something the restaurant since since its opening has been been very well known for. And we didn't want to just take any of that away. That's you know, there's not many restaurants in in the UK in the world that still do garrodon service. And um, we we had a big refresh when we refurbished the restaurant, and we have everything now from a bread trolley to a to a healthy salad trolley to smoked salmon carved at the table. We do seven different roasts, one every day of the week. We have our steak strathern, which is a version of steak Diane, Caledonian crepes, which likewise is is a mod um, a version of crepes Suzette. I'm using Scottish produce, so using gin, uh, and then we do a cheese trolley as well. So there's lots of. Um, elements there that for interaction and and as an experience, so it's not just three courses of food and and thank you very much. There's there's lots of guest interaction there.
0: Lots of trolleys. Lots of trolleys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, there's lots of trolleys. And we had those. We had all the trolleys um made to specification, and they're all multi-purpose. So, um so it works well.
0: So was that quite a common kind of service thing back when the hotel opened in the 20s and it's just did it just kind of fall out of fashion or um I
2: think it's more to with the grand dining rooms um there are there are other places in the UK you know the Ritz would be an example that that still do some service and a number of other restaurants but but not many but I think it's you know it's a really a really nice touch to, to have in the restaurant
0: and you mentioned the refurbishment, which I think is, is it finished now or is there still a little bit ongoing?
2: Um, we've still, at this current time, we've got about 50 bedrooms. The last 50 bedrooms are being refurbished and they'll be back in back in action in a couple of months. And then that's really, I don't think that it will ever stop, but that's all the outlets of the hotel that have been refurbished now as well.
0: How have the dining um, offerings changed since the refurbishment?
2: So dining offerings, um, if, if, if we go through them, we, when I first started, the, the dormy, the golf club was the first to be refurbed putting in there we had tandoor ovens before but we've got tandoor ovens um beautiful pizza oven and then the clubhouse classics um just before i started the burnham was refurbished which used to be a bit more of an open plan it wasn't a buffet but it was an open plan it had like a meat and a fish stand in the old um so that's really now a a french brazier with some italian influence as well and then we've got the strathern which the actual the concept hasn't changed but we just we looked at everything we did wanted to improve everything we were doing and, and modernized a few things, upgraded the trolleys, upgraded the crockery, the cutlery, but keeping the same feel that, that the restaurant has always had. We're lucky with Ennismore, our interior designers are all in house, so they have a real emotional connection um, with the business and they're taking inspiration from railway travel, which came, again came from the 1920s and, and forward from there where most of the guests came up from London. Um, and it's always our ambition to always elevate our, our food offering, restaurants, our private dining offering, everything in all areas.
0: Uh, and to go back to um, the local produce that I mentioned here, do you have a favourite um, Scottish ingredient to cook with?
2: Oh, there's, there's so many. But I think, um, you know, from a, from a seafood side of things, um, I, I could name lots, but scallops, and langostina would be two of my personal favourites. Um, it's also the year of Coastal Waters 2020 for Scotland. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think there would be two very, very, very good examples, obviously, where Scotland is celebrating everything that that's good about that. From a meat perspective, again, likewise, you know, it's some of the best in the world, the Tweed Valley beef that we buy. And, and also our, our wild venison um, and it's great to have those relationships with our suppliers that we work very closely with.
0: Uh, and off the back of the ingredients uh, do you have a favourite dish on any of the menus?
2: <laughs> favourite dish um, they change through the year with the seasons I think something that really has stayed on in the Strathern would be our venison main course um, it's, it's wild venison loin with a little uh, crispy bonbon of the brace haunch, then it's got like a chocolate emulsion, some cherry, a smoked almond granola, a little bit of um, beautiful mashed potato, and then just finished off with a grue-infused sauce. So that's that dish has been a bit of a mainstay on the on the Strathern menu um, since we've opened. So I guess that would be it. And
0: although um, you don't you. It's not that you don't take into do with Andrew Field; it's a separate outlet. Do you do you ever work together and be influenced by each other, or is it very very separate?
2: I think uh, you know we, we, we have shared working spaces, so we have good relationships. Obviously, um, with within the business, they have obviously one of the best restaurants, the only two Michelin star restaurant in Scotland, and do um, a, a nice amount of uh, covers in the restaurant. And um, yeah, we have we have good relationships. There's always hellos. There's always chatting in the corridors, in the ki- in the kitchens. Um, so yeah, we do. We have a great working relationship.
0: And do you guys dine in each other's restaurants?
2: We definitely definitely do.
0: That's a good pairing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, we definitely do. Um, it's always nice to see. Obviously it's nice to eat out everywhere and you know, we're very lucky that we've got Scotland's only two Michelin star restaurant in the hotel. So yeah, we do. I'm not in there every week, but I do <laughs> like to go. <laughs>
0: um, so speaking of uh, sort of dining and collaborations, um, the, you've recently started the Strathern series in which you welcome a range of guest chefs into the kitchen for a specially created dinner. Why did you decide to do this and how did you choose who to invite into the kitchen?
2: It was we, when we refurbished the, um, the Strathern, We've got a beautiful space which is primarily used for breakfast but we wanted to to use it also as a chef's table so we've got a lovely cooking range in there and um it's a re- it's a really beautiful space it can be nice for breakfast it can be nice in the evening and we were thinking of ways how we could make it make more use of it And then I came up, I thought it would be a nice idea to to maybe open this up to do. I think collaborations are good for everybody. It's good for the team here, it's good for for some young chefs. And I thought, why why don't we look at seeing if we can do a couple of dinners with, with some either local chefs or friends of Glen Eagle's. And, um, and collaborate um, and that's really where it came from. I think it's so hard especially you'll see from our first series that all, all the chefs are from um, from small independently owned restaurants and um, we've got Roberta, Graham and Scott who, who all work in um, small restaurants in Edinburgh and then um, the, the fourth one is a, a chap called Sam Carter who's got his, he used to be my head chef in, um, in UBS but he has his own uh, small restaurant in Cambridge. So it's really just just to give them a little help up the ladder a little bit of publicity um, Because it is tough out there to, to operate and own own your own restaurant and, and that's really where the idea came from good for the brigade here to see something different Share those experience and and, ha- and have a good night for our customers. The first series has gone very well We're ha- halfway through and we've got some dates later in the year um, Chef still TBC to be confirmed, but we've got three more dates later in the year where we will do a second series
0: Nice. That's good. When um, I was at the first one, which was um, lovely and the space is really nice as well. It's a bit like if downtown Abbey's kitchen was modern day. <laughs> that's that nice feel. <laughs> like it's, it is it's lovely. It looks huge and it looks like it should be in like a grand house, but it's also really modern.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a lovely, lovely cooking range um, and it's a nice intimate experience. 12 guests and the idea is to have some fun, interaction, talk to the ge- talk to the chefs, chefs talk to the customers, nice wine pairing and, and really just eat some good seasonal Scottish produce and, ha- and have a good evening and it also gives us the chance as well obviously collaborating with these chefs um, and, and sharing a menu to do things a little bit different to maybe what we normally do so it's um, very interesting
0: um, so because obviously this hotel has been around for a really long time and is very well known, this is probably a stupid question, but have you cooked for any famous faces that you can talk about? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yeah, um, I mean, we, we obviously we have a number of high-profile guests here, both both wealthy and famous, so I don't think we'll talk about any names, but recently I guess we had the Solheim Cup, um, which was obviously a great experience for all of us here, cooking for the best female golfers in the world. Um, we work very closely with the Head of Nutrition from Sports Scotland, Obviously, which had a contribution to helping Europe win, and um, and we looked after the athletes for that. So that was a really a really good experience last September. I guess, you know, yeah. In my career, I've cooked for lots of different famous people. There was one night in, in Abu Dhabi, which was a, a little bit nerve wracking. There was um, it was when the Grand Prix was on, and there was a a very eclectic mix of famous, wealthy, sporty people in the restaurant. It was a, almost every other table, so that was quite a quite an interesting
0: evening. Well, sounds good. <laughs> stressful, but good.
2: Uh, yeah, a little bit stressful, but. But it was all good.
0: Uh, so, if when you're not in the kitchen, what would you say has been your favourite ever meal, and where did you have it?
2: Um, I think I could probably. I've, I've been fortunate enough to eat in a lot of a lot of good restaurants um, all around the world. But I think two really do stick out in my mind. Um, one, I was in on holiday in in Burgundy. Probably the most mind blowing I've had was the fat duck. Um, I used to work for Heston for a couple of years back in two thousand three, two thousand four. And um, so I've been lucky enough to go to the Fat Duck several times over, over the last year. I think I've probably been four or five times in sort of the last 17 years to really see it evolve. But yeah, the Fat Duck 2017, just as a whole, as a whole, not just a good food, but as a dining experience, was definitely the one that the one that sticks with me.
0: Did you have to cook anything weird at Heston's? You know how there's like snail porridge and stuff, yeah, and it's yeah, not that, actually. That was in
2: the original, <laughs> original days. The original, <laughs> original days of snail, snail porridge. porridge and things like that. I was actually, I was the head chef of uh, the Riverside Brasserie, which was the first time he owned a second restaurant outside of Fat Duck, which was just around the corner in the marina. I'm um, obviously working very closely with the fat duck, all the same principles and techniques. So yeah, there was some there were some strange things going on in those days, and they've evolved now, but all very tasty.
0: Yeah, because it's never. I mean, I I say this like I've been, I've never been, but I listen to podcast with them, and it's never what you think. So it's not actually snail porridge, is it? It's just the sort of. Or it's not. What was it? It wasn't actually porridge, but it was. Or it wasn't actually snail.
2: Um, no, there, there was some. There was some snails in the snail porridge. Um, I think there was also there was another dish you did, which was um, where he had the orange jelly and the beetroot jelly. Yeah. Um, which were different colours. So you had a golden beetroot and a blood orange. So the, the colours match went the other way, which was a little bit confusing for some people. So, but that was all part of the, the whole experience when obviously Heston was was working around not just flavours, but um, you know, uh, things such as other things that can influence what you feel you're tasting, you know, your other senses. So it was really, really interesting times. And obviously, Heston is a super nice chap and um, very, very interesting to work for for a couple of years.
0: So that was all then. What's What are your plans for 2020?
2: Well, I guess um, this is the first year at Glen Eagles um, since I've been here where uh, no outlets been refurbished. So we're going to consolidate from there. Um, continue as we do with innovation developing the product and the team and really our aim from a culinary perspective as a hotel as well as to be the best in class at whatever we do so whether that be a fine dining meal in the Strathern or a sandwich in the garden cafe they're really our aims a couple of collaborations to keep the f and b off for fun and showcase the finest product um through the year things such as our seafood shack pop-up that we do out on the lawn august bank holiday Um, We're we're doing an Indian one this year as well, Indian street food. And then looking a little bit further ahead, we've got the Glen Eagles Townhouse opening in 2021 in Edinburgh.
0: Oh, do you know the actual date?
2: Um, Not the exact date, no. 2021.
0: That's good, because I've been trying to keep my eye on that and just sort of... Yeah, seeing if I could get the scoop on it. But no, that's good. <laughs> 2021. It's good to know it's not imminently happening. <laughs> no, um, not a little while yet. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we're going to move on to the section of the podcast, which is Desert Island drinks or jams, but I think we're going to go for drinks. Yeah. Uh, so if you could take three drinks onto a Desert Island with you, what would they be and why?
2: Um, I guess water to cleanse the soul. Um, water to cleanse the soul um, from a wine perspective, we'd have to take some red and white so we could stick with Burgundy. Um, and being Scottish, I think a Glendronic 21-year-old whisky. That should keep us going for the day.
0: Nice. And you're one of the few people who have recently who've mentioned water. A lot, a lot of people are like, oh, three alcoholic <laughs> drinks. And then <laughs> like, that's fine.
2: It's all about balance.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, uh, we've got a section called My Life and Food, which is some quick fire questions. Uh, so I'll just ask you them if you come back to me with your sort of first answer that comes into your head. Yep. That's okay. So are you ready? Yep. Uh, so, what food brings back childhood nostalgia?
2: Roast dinner on a Sunday with the family.
0: Uh, if you were to cook a meal for yourself in an hour, what would it be?
2: Ribeye steak, chips, grill garnish, and Bernays sauce.
0: What's your food guilty pleasure? Dairy milk. Uh, You're in a bar at 1am, what do you order?
2: Gin and tonic by then, probably.
0: Is there any specific gin? Caroon. Uh, If you knew it was going to be your last ever meal, what would you choose?
2: It would have to be, I think, go back to the Sunday roast. Roast beef, Yorkshire pudding, roast potatoes.
0: Right back to the start. It's like your childhood memories. Yeah,
2: I think so. That and probably apple pie for dessert.
0: Oh, that's great. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. You can download Scran wherever you listen to your podcasts, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the Entail app for iOS and Android. If you like what you've heard, please rate and review Scran and help other listeners discover us too. This is a Laudable production for The Scotsman. You can find out more about Laudable and its other local podcasts by following on Twitter, where we are at Laudable Pods, and Instagram by searching Laudable underscore podcasts.